Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning, welcome to Football Digest um, and welcome to my guests today, uh, Matt Dunn from the Daily Express and Simon Mullick, a Chief Football Writer from the Sunday Mirror. Morning guys, the last time we did this was um, a week ago in Naples um, and now the international break is over. Um, a lot of people will, will be glad of that, um, although I find it quite entertaining. And let's turn our attention now to the to the Premier League, which obviously starts now for the the final running all the way to the line. So many things to be decided, um, not least the title, um, a very tight top four race, and an incredible, incredible um, multi team battle to stay up in the, in the Premier League. We'll talk about all those things today. Uh, but Simon, I do want to start with um, there's plenty of other stuff to be going at. But we'll start with the title race, which resumes this week. With the two with the two protagonists playing at, at different stages on Saturday, Man City take on Liverpool at twelve thirty, and then Arsenal leads at three o'clock. And that sort of dynamic, I guess, will be from now until the end of the season. You know, I'm I'm not sure how many times they actually play at the same time between now and the end of the season, but I suspect it's not many. And it'll be interesting on on how teams react to other teams' results. So first of all, first up City Liverpool, then Arsenal leads. What sort of twist do you think it's going to take um, this Saturday? And it's, it's hard to predict when it's City-Liverpool because, um, as we saw earlier in the season, um, even when Liverpool aren't, in, aren't at the best and they haven't been at the best this season, they're still capable of dredging up a performance to to beat the champions. So um, that's quite an interesting one. And obviously, the Arsenal-Leeds game, you've got one team who were banging form and who bounced back fantastically well from that bump in the road that they had a few weeks ago. Um, had some terrific results. They look like they're pretty close to their best, if not at their best. And you've got a Leeds team who are fighting to stay up and who last time out produced a great performance at Wolves to win 4-2. Um, certainly the result from the highlights package that I saw didn't flatter them. So um, it's one of those things, isn't it? You're at the stage of the season now where you don't know how clubs are going to react to pressure. Um, you would expect City should be able to handle it after the way they've gone toe-to-toe with Liverpool over the last four or five years. Um, but it's neat for this Arsenal team. And um, I thought, you know, the game against Aston Villa 
was a huge victory for them in the way they bounced back and then went late on. And then obviously the way they came back against Brentford as well was a kind of sign really that they can cope with that pressure um, or they are, they are coping with that pressure. So, um, listen, like I say, we don't know. And that's the, the great thing about this stage of the season is there is just so many twists and turns. And uh, that's why we love the Premier League. Sam, I just want to st- I just want to stick with you for a minute. I'll come to you soon, Matt. Uh, but I, I just want to stick with you just for a minute in terms of because um, obviously you see City probably more than any of us. I just wondered um, how you think they they. It seems an odd thing to suggest, but will their squad depth hold up in the sense that obviously they have you know two mega games against Bayern coming up. They obviously have an FA Cup semi final. Um, they've got a lot of games. Phil Foden, you know, will be out for, I'm not sure how long, what, three weeks, four weeks, maybe. Um, I haven't had that, uh, his appendix out. Um, and while he has, like, you know, an array of talent, it it's, in, in numbers-wise, I'm not sure, um, is there any vulnerability there? In other words, will the demands of the FA Cup, the Champions League, injuries, and the running, will it take its soul on City? I think he's already taken it toll. I mean, obviously, Foden, Foden is an illness. You know, you, you can't kind of legislate for somebody needing to have um, their appendix out. But let's not forget that uh, Haaland uh, pulled out of the Norway squad um, with a groin problem. And, you know, his dad said it's going to be pretty difficult for him to be fit enough to face Liverpool uh, in terms of it's not a serious injury, but the fact that he hasn't trained for, uh, for over a week. Um, now... The fact that City didn't instantly call him back for treatment um, suggests to me that it, it's not a serious problem. But would you want to risk Haaland um, when you've got so many big games coming up after this after this Liverpool game? And don't forget, City are now in a position where they've got uh, a World Cup winner in, in Julian Alvarez. Um, the, the, the thing is that City have got at the moment is they can't really slip up they've got to have a per- pretty perfect end to the season to, to real Arsenal in because they're running out of games. But they've done it before. They've chased from behind before. You know, they were eight. I mean, and it's a different City side now, but, you know, 10 years ago, uh, they were chasing, or 11 years ago, they were chasing Manchester United and they were, they were eight points adrift with only six games remaining and um, and still managed to turn it around. And obviously they had the, the famous Sergio Aguero moment since then. This Pep Guardiola team has done it against Liverpool, perhaps not quite at this stage of the season, but I think back in 2019, um, they were they were ten points behind Liverpool at one stage of the season at the, the at the halfway point. What a magnificent game at the Etihad that I'm sure we all remember, uh, and managed to reel them in over the next few weeks, and then it was it was hammer and tongue all the way until the end of the season, and City managed to edge it. So. Like I say, they've been here before. Arsenal haven't, but don't show any signs since that in the road of really kind of hitting problems. So um, I, I think the onus really is on Arsenal not to give, you know, City a, a, a chink of light or a, a little bit of hope that they can uh, that they can make the most of. I'd just be worried about how Rodri's going to react after getting schooled by Scotland in midweek, mate. Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't see the game. I saw the goals and I saw Rodri's quotes and he, he didn't take it well, did he? I love the way he knows the word English for rubbish, you know, rather than whatever, mate. Yeah, no, he didn't take it well. No, he didn't. Well, mind you, with you, he's been beaten 2-0 by Scotland, the McTominay 2. 
Yeah, he's quite harsh, but um, yeah, he, he, he's, uh, at, le- at least, you know, it shows that he's, he's kind of, um, you know, not, not like the rest of us, he, he thinks there, there is something in these international weeks. Exactly, mate, exactly. No, no I, was, I was only kidding. What I think, I have to say, with City, I mean, you mentioned about how they have chased, you know, um, closed gaps. I think it's getting to stage. I mean, I think, and 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 when you talk about Erlen Haaland, whether he'll play or not on Saturday, I think most people expect him to play. But it is interesting. I I think the Bayern Munich game, the Bayern Munich game, which is on what um, a week next Tuesday, isn't it? Um, it's a week next Tuesday, I think it is. Um, you know, th- that to me is City's next most important game. I, I understand it's Man City, Liverpool. Listen, for what it's worth, I, th- I think I actually think City will win quite comfortably on Saturday. I don't think Liverpool are in, in that great a place at the moment. But I do think it will get to the stage. I'm not saying he will prioritise the Champions League, but, you know, it, 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 the gap is staying steadily big, isn't it? You know, and, and I do think that, and we all know that no matter how much anyone protests the Champions League, in effect, is the priority of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. I mentioned that gap, Matt, and you know, we keep saying, well, everyone keeps saying, oh, well, like this Arsenal team, they're, they're relatively inexperienced. They haven't been here before. How are they going to cope with the pressure? How are they going to do that? And they just keep on doing it week in, week out. There is absolutely is the Matt, no sign at all of them of them flinching with the pressure. Never mind wilting. They're not flinching. Yeah, it's six out of six now. Um, and Arteta's you know, send them out there, they've done that. So if they do slip up at any point, you can always point to that six out of six. Look, just get back on the track. You can roll another six out of six out. They, you know, they've got to slip up a couple of times. It's not just once. You know, that they, they've... So in a way, the pressure, the kind of where the pressure was on was in their European game, um, where they didn't quite perform. And then you saw a bit of frailty. But in the league, they just don't seem to be feeling it at the moment. And I think it's because that pressure, until City get that little bit closer, they're, they're just, you know, playing for fun. They're playing such superb football at the moment. They feel they can go out and just play anybody off the park. And uh, and then, you know, and the goals are going in early enough so that they don't get to the 80th minute and have to try and nick one from somewhere. You know, that they're, they're so full of goals at the moment. Saka's playing out of his skin. Um, they've got the boost of then, you know, in amongst playing all this great football, Jesus is finding his beat again. Uh, and if you think about the form he was in at the start of the season, when it, when he gets back up to that 100%, that's going to be uh, a boost to everybody. Uh, and they're not panicking. They don't need to panic because they know they've got goals. And at the moment, they're defending well enough that, you know, one goal, perhaps two is enough. But if needs be, they'll score three or four. You know, it's... Uh, it's quite. It's an amazing, positive atmosphere there. You know, I, I, I don't think you can underplay what those wins over Aston Villa and Bournemouth have done to this title race. Um, I was at the um, the Nottingham Forest Man City game, um, and everybody was watching in the press room. And you could be absolutely sure that Pep Guardiola and his players were keeping tabs on what the score was at Villa Park, and uh, you know, at one stage. Arsenal are behind 2-1 with not a lot of time left and they don't just turn it around uh, to get a point but they win, go on and win the game and um, you know only only a Manchester City player will know whether that had an immediate effect on City but that was the day that they dropped two points um, to a late Nottingham Forest equaliser and 
And that felt a bit like the day the title race had, had taken a decisive twist because obviously City had, had, were coming off the back of, of winning at the Emirates and everybody was, you know, everybody were expect, was expecting that to put the foot to the floor and pull away from Arsenal and, and to, for Arsenal to just fade away. And last minute wins, they're huge um, in both camps, you know, for the winning team. It just gives them a lift that they feel that it's just fated that they're they're going to go on and win the, 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 the title. And for the chasing team, it's just a, a real kick in the guts. Um, and, you know, it, th- those last minute wins o- over Villa and then were um, Bournemouth, absolutely huge for Arsenal, I think. Matt, uh, just, uh, just briefly, I just, I just want to, you know, obviously Arsenal, there's only one thing that matters for Arsenal right at this moment, that's getting over the line in the title race. But I, I'm... I'm I can't help but be intrigued by what effect it would have long term if they were to win the title, playing like they are playing now. Um, you know that would obviously enable them to be a bigger attraction to players. You know, where I think quite a lot of us believe they'd say Declan Rice will will end up there. Now, if you would have said a year ago, "Where's Declan Rice going to going to going to end up?" We would have said a City, a United, I assume. You know, possibly Chelsea, of course, who, who were. It was strongly linked with going back there. Um, but now, with this, Arsenal will be a different proposition again. They'll be the proposition they were. I just think this is really, you know, I've got no favourite in the title race, as in who I want to win. But it's sort of a bigger picture. It's the re-establishment of Arsenal as as an elite force. And that can only be good, can't it? Absolutely. I mean, well, the, the brand of football that they play, it's got to be applauded for the, for, for, yeah, for the neutral, by the neutrals. But it's a kind of brand, they've tried to sell the Arsenal brand throughout the whole, you know, latter years of Wenger and then in between, and you know, since he's left. And it's actually, there's been nothing to back it up. They've said, you know, what a great club it is to play for and, you know, what a famous Arsenal. And actually, you look at it and, and you scratch the surface and, uh, and it's, it's not actually, the infrastructure's not been there. But with the group that they've built, the young group, um, you know, experienced players will come in knowing that they're going to be backed up. The pressure's not just going to be on them. And and they're never going to be able to compete financially with the sort of money bags clubs that are coming into the Premier League. So they've got to sell this vision. You know, they've got a, a respected figure like Edu at the top there, who's uh, sort of overseeing the branch. Arteta, I think his stock has increased massively. Um, and, uh, and he needs some trophies to go with it because... You know, I still can't get it with his win, lose, or draw documentary series where he's doing doodles um, like Bob Carroll G's used to have to guess um, for every match. Um, that uh, that this is what was inspiring in his light bulb trick and everything else, and playing the uh, "You'll Never Walk Alone" is from the outside it looks like madness, but it's work, and that's got to be the key. And you know, you speak to other managers; it doesn't matter what you do; it's the fact that he's different. That he's keeping it lively, and, and that you know, and whatever it is, you know, he's got that magical spark at the moment. You know, he's not really put a foot wrong yet. He's not really had a hand spell. You know, he's had a few tricky results, but you know, he's he's doing magnificently. And if Arsenal could build that with the brand that Arsenal do have, then they could sell it to the right type of player. That's the key. They'll be signing the right type of player that wants to play for a football team that wants to play, and I mean football team in terms of one that plays football, and that wants to win something, perhaps you could say the right way, the, you know, the old-fashioned way, where the best team won, not the most expensive one. 
And, uh, you know, that's got to be alluring to anybody. I can't, yeah, I can't buy into this. I can't buy into this Arsenal, the underdog narrative. We talk about Arsenal football club, Matt. But you've got, you know, where, where's, 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 how, how much did he spend on Pepe? Where is he, where is he these days? How much money have they blown, how much money have they blown over the last 10 years without, let's be fair, Arteta's done an absolutely fantastic job without spending a huge amount of money, you know, but he spent money. It's just the, the difference is that where other man, Arsenal managers didn't spend it in the right way, he, he's, he's, he's identified players along with Edu. They've identified players who will fit into a certain way of playing. But this, this kind of narrative that Arsenal have like come from, well, they have come from nowhere because nobody expected them to win, win the, the Premier League. But this Arsenal, the underdog narrative, I, I, I'm not buying into that. Come on, this is Arsenal Football Club. It's not dog and duck rovers, is it? No, no, but it's more, but it's more pop down across London at Chelsea who are spending hand over fist in a seemingly hazard way that doesn't seem to be gelling at all. And the way Chelsea are, you know, that, that, that spending a huge amount of money, um, you know, certainly over the last five, six years, I would think uh, Man United and Chelsea would be right up there at the, at the top of the, the next Ben list. And, um, uh, you know, United have done well this season after, after what, a few years in, in the doldrums. Chelsea are obviously uh, at a stage of their development um, where they're having a lot of inconsistent results. You know, like I say, Ar- Artes has done a, a fantastic job, but I, I just can't buy into this Arsenal, the underdog narrative whatsoever. Right, right. We, we, uh, plenty more to go out. Quickly, um, just, well, one, way, one, one, one team. Who, who's winning the title? Matt? Yeah, Arsenal, I think. Simon? Yeah, I think Arsenal as well. I think I think City have ruined themselves too much. Yeah, I agree. I don't think, I think even if City beats Arsenal in their head-to-head, um, I don't think they're winning enough games um, um, to turn around. So yeah, Arsenal for all three of us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Arsenal win the title, and Arsenal's um, uh, performances this season have even put, as if one were needed, it's put an even sharper focus on um, on events down the road at Spurs. Um, and, you know, it hasn't been much of an international break for Spurs, for Daniel Levy in particular. Matt, um, just run us through um, what situation they're in, and you know, I, I, I pick up the paper. And we just, you know, it's it's not hard to look through it. You know, no permanent men's manager, no permanent women's manager, a star striker who, who appears to be probably running down his contract to the end of next season. Um, some people are saying the season ticket prices up there, they're barely clinging on to fourth. Um, is it really, really as bad as um, as most observers seem to think at um, at Tottenham Hotspur? It's amazing the infrastructure they put in place in terms of the buildings and the training facilities, you could kind of see the model that the Levy intended. And it is, you know, for our older view, viewers, you know, uh, field of dreams, it's like build it and they will come. 
although they won't. Nobody wants to go there and manage. They found that when Mourinho left. They're finding that now with Conte. You know, they've got this fantastic model, uh, you know, fantastic facilities that you'd think would attract the top managers, you know, in the world. And no one wants to work there. And, and then you see the, the trouble that they get into them, incidentally, by cutting corners, perhaps. But actually, the whole Juventus thing has been rumbling along. Let's not pretend that's crept up on Spurs. That's been in the background all the whole time. And, um, you know, it's a, uh, yeah, it's a mess that they've kind of got themselves into by taking chances, trying to get this, take perhaps some of the shortcuts to get to where they need to be. And, um, you know, it's... Perhaps it's payback time. And Harry Kane is a case in point. They've upset their prize asset. He was the thing that glued the whole thing together, this whole Pochettino five-year plan. And, um, and yeah, and, and he's and Levy upset him. We know now how badly he upset him two summers ago because there's no way Kane, I would have thought, would sign another contract to Spurs, which means they've either got to sell him this summer, get a bit of money, possibly to arrive, because Kane's got all the, the ticket, yeah, all the cards in that that deal because he says if you want money for me you've got to let me go to where you where I want to go um and if not he walks away for nothing a year later which with the cash balance and like you say rising season ticket prices I don't think they can afford to do no um, Sam did Conte have to go did Levy make the right decision at least in that instance I think he did I I, I just think um that that outburst that, that we all saw um I don't think it left him with any option. Um, and I think Conte, in a, you know, Conte's experienced enough to know that what the ramifications of, of what he said would bring. Um, the problem is, um, and, and we've seen this with, with Tottenham before, when, you know, when they sat Mourinho, they didn't have a replacement in, you know, sort of waiting to walk into the building. And, it, and it, I know the circumstances were different this time, but you would uh, would have thought somebody of, of kind kind of Daniel Levy's planning um, and strategy would have would have had a had a plan B um, that went beyond you know giving it the giving the job to the assistant manager. Um, but it's uh, I don't know. You look at Spurs and you kind of look at look at them from the outside, and you think, what? Why? Why is it all going wrong for them? They, they seem to be a club that that. And again, from the outside, tick all the right boxes. You know, they had a, they had a winning manager in, in Conte. They had, a, you know, a great young manager um, in Pochettino uh, previously to that. Mourinho's, uh, you know, been in, been in there. Uh, we've all seen the, the, how fantastic that stadium is. We were at the Tottenham training ground last week for, for, for you know, England trained there last week and what a fantastic facility that is. You look at the squad they've got, uh, you know, Harry Kane, uh, unbelievable! You know, has posted unbelievable numbers again this season. Um, uh, you know he's doing his bit, and you just kind of look at the squad as well, and you just think, you know, they they've got a a, a squad level that should really be making it making that top four. Um, I, and you just you know it's just it's just a club that's permanently at war with itself. Um, and you know one thing that that Conte did say. And you know, I've always said that Daniel Levy's done a, done a good job in terms of you know um, transforming Tottenham. Um, but you know, at some point, you have to point the fingers at, at, at different people. And it's gone on for so long now that that maybe a, you know a change in how the club is run, it, you know, is it, due. I, I, 
I, I agree. Uh, you, you know, I, I think, um, again, just going back, you make very interesting points there, I, I think. Looking from the outside, not having any vested interest in Spurs, you look at the club and you think, well, you know, is it really that bad? You know, for example, the stadium. I mean, the stadium is, is, is fantastic. However, the stadium now is actually being used as sort of a stick to beat Levy with, as if to say you're more interested in your shiny new stadium and your Beyonce concerts and your underground karting and your NFL games. You're more interested in the stadium um, and making money out of that than you are in the actual football team. But the bottom line is, is it is a magnificent venue for football. It's just that the team isn't, and I would say it's not any good, but it's just not, it's just not, not right up there and competing with the cities and the arsenals. So you look at that, and again, you look at the squad, I agree with you, they spend £50 million on Richarlison, they spent a few quid, and then you look back at the Pochettino years and, and how they did under that. And and from the outside, you think sometimes you'll turn on, you know, the radio, your laptop, your TV, and, and, and you'll hear Spurs fans talking about the club as though it's some sort of some sort of car crash, some sort of pileup. And and from the outside, sometimes it's hard to see. But, you know, Levy is now this current situation. I mean, Levy's been, you know, he has to take responsibility for this. What is a farce with Paratici. Matt, just, just explain to us what has happened with Fabio Paratici, the director of football, I'm not sure if that's his exact title, and what's happened and how it's come to pass this. This is all part of the long-standing Juventus financial problems that involve the whole, virtually the whole club. Um, the, the, certainly a lot of the hierarchy have been touched by this. Um, the Italians banned him for 30 matches and in keeping with the way football normally goes, FIFA have now endorsed that ban and said, no, the, the ban is not just on Italian football. The ban goes worldwide. And so now he's got 30 months where he can't negotiate, can't do anything to do with football business um, for 30 months. So effectively, that, that ends his Tottenham involvement. You can't, you know, perhaps when, when he's through that period, they'll look at reappointing if they've been that impressed, whatever. But effectively, that, that ends any background work he's done, anything he's working on, is now dead in the water. Um, the problem that for Spurs was identified in 2000, badly it has to be said, because it's one of his, his few balls that I'll admit to Pochettino, but, but ahead of the Champions League final, Pochettino realised that he had de- delivered Levy's five-year plan, which was to build the stadium, build the training ground, build the team, and that's what he did for five years. What he realised, and he kind of clouded the whole um, build up to the Champions League final uh, by pointing this out rather awkwardly, it has to be said, but no less truthfully. Levy didn't have a plan. What's his plan after that five year plan? He got them to knocking on the door, but why did he just suddenly said, right, well, it's all going to happen by magic now? There was been no thought, no structure. The first mistake Levy made was being greedy and thinking that Mourinho would be the magic answer. Um, Pochettino should have been given a chance in 2019 to regenerate that team, which needed it by there because players that he'd hired on, like Dyer, Lloris, arguably, although I'm a big fan of his still, um, but certainly for Tongan, Alderweireld, that 2019 Champions League final team would pass their peak. And he should have been given the chance. I think he'd earned the chance to rebuild another generation in the way that Fergie did so successfully at United. Um, he had, should have been given a chance. To, to bring those players in slowly. Instead, we've got the situation where 
Levy's appointed uh, somebody, Mourinho, whose first thing he did was upset Deli Ali um, uh, on very day one. Um, he's absolutely crucified Davinson Sanchez when you look on on the back on the video that they had running at the time with Amazon. Uh, and he's not been the same player since. Uh, and it was just, that was just Mourinho bluster, not firing. And I think that Spurs dressing room doesn't respond to that sort of manager. That's what Conte's found, but they made the same mistake when they appointed him. They thought, if I get a manager who wins things, this team will think, actually, no, you've got to build a team that could be well. Remember, Spurs were the team that could never get in the top four. They finally managed it under Harry. Uh, and Pochettino built them into a team that were regular Champions League challengers. That was it. What he needed to do was recruit new players that were going to be capable of winning things. Yeah, it, the fingers pointed at Pochettino for not winning things. Those players haven't won things. Uh, and that's what he needed to change. And Mourinho thought he could come in with those same players, turn them into winners by clicking his fingers. Um, Conte did the same. And yeah, Levy's not had a plan to think, no, we need to recruit winners. We need to c- recruit a team that work together, the team spirit that Pochettino over needs to do again. And that's what they've done at Arsenal, you know, with lesser players, arguably, on paper, but a better knit of player, rather than just his haphazard, change the manager every eight months or so, and, uh, and let's go again. And that's Levy's fault, because his history on managers, if you go back before Pochettino, also isn't particularly good. About the best point it was Harry, and he sacked him, you know, and, and then brought in AVB. So, um, so, yeah, I think there's lots of question marks about Daniel Levy's, not his business acumen, but certainly his football acumen. And uh, I think Aratici now gone, that's a huge vacuum of White Hart Lane. They need to get somebody in who can steer that ship sensibly in a footballing sense. Yeah, well, I, I guess if Levy wins as well, I, guess, I mean, that'd be, that'd be a hell of a vacuum, wouldn't it? Long term, he's got to be managing his, his exit now. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I think it's been, what, 22 years? And I just think, listen, for everyone's sake, it spares, you know, including his own, you know, it's not, no matter what, again, it, it's hard to criticise anyone if you haven't got a, a vested interest emotionally in it. But, you know, again, you know, the vilification of Levy, it, you know, it, it can't be any fun for him. Just as it's no fun for Bill Kenwright, you know, who can't, probably can't turn up to the game on Monday night, Everton versus Spurs. They are, though, Simon, um, they are still fourth in the Premier League, albeit some teams below them with some games in hand. That race for fourth has got to be intriguing. Do Spurs hang on to that? Or if not, who gets it? I don't know. I mean, you know, you look at Liverpool, um, we spoke about the Liverpool-Man City game earlier. Um, it's not just a game that City have to win. It's a game that Liverpool can't really afford to lose if they're going to, you know, overhaul Spurs. And um, Newcastle, you know, Newcastle is still in the mix fighting. Um, so, you know, that that could be as exciting as the the title race and the, the relegation battle. It, it's, a, it's a Premier League this year where everything is still kind of up for grabs. Um, but yeah, with all the turmoil that's gone at Tottenham, sometimes it's, sometimes it's easy, to, easy to forget that they are still well-placed to qualify for the Champions League. And that's what kind of made, for, you know, from a top, Tottenham fan's perspective, I would imagine, that's what, that's what made Conte's outburst even more um, crazy at this stage of the season where, where, you know, it's still in his hands to keep Spurs in the top four. And maybe some of the quotes that he came out with, I know, it, was it knee-jerk? 
Um, I'm not so sure it was. It seemed like that he had, you know, every word was was carefully, meticulously planned. But when you say meticulously planned, let's face it, these are the vagaries of football, aren't they? Does he come out with that if, if Southampton don't get that 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 last minute, last second equaliser? He probably he probably doesn't, but he probably comes he probably comes out with it a week later. Um, you know, it, 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 it was clear that that, that 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 was bubbling under the surface with Conte. But, you know, you would have thought a, a, a manager of his experience, unless he wanted to bring it to a head now, maybe it was a, it was a challenge that he didn't think that he would be sacked with Tottenham still in, in with a chance to qualify for the Champions League. And it was, you know, it's one that's, that's backfired. Just, just digressing, I do, I, do, I do sort of listen to, um, obviously that's been replayed and replayed and replayed, Conte's rants, hasn't it? you know, um, since his departure. Um, there's still quite a lot of it I don't quite understand. I mean, I, I don't quite... It is just literally a stream of consciousness rant, isn't it? Only bits of it, you think, well, what exactly are you referring to? Because it's not just been about that. Um, I think with Conte, I regularly go to his press conferences, and yes, some of them are a struggle trying to work out what he's trying to say um, because of partly the language barrier, partly because, well, he does wander off topic, um, and he's so intense when he does it, you feel like he's trying to communicate something. Um, you don't always get the the nuances, perhaps. But since I mean, he's had a terrible, terrible first season personally. You know, he's lost his his close friend, General uh, Jean Piero Pentroni. and I think that was back in October. And I think since then, he's been moving. His heart has been moving towards Italy. He's had his illness. He's had you know, he felt lonely. And the the narrative of his press conferences has always been angled towards I'm going back to Italy. I'm going back to his. I'm going back to. He talked about loneliness from his family, um, even separately before the illness. And since then, he's just got more and more. And he's just thought, well, going in the summer. And he used the word in that rant that was the last straw. Well, if that was the last straw, then it's been very. You, you don't. You know, this is the last straw. Is the I'm here to fight the last battle. That was the last straw. Says you know I've had enough. But, but again. You know, Daniel Levy would have been aware of all of those circumstances, and you know, and you would have thought that that um, there would have been some kind of movement from Tottenham to say, "Look, we know what kind of problems you're going, personal problems you're going through. It's, you know, just steer us to, until the end of the season, and you can make a decision then." But I think that 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 was what they tried to do with his illness, wouldn't it? I mean, they didn't they allow us for him. Anyway, regardless of spares, are they going to finish fourth? If not. Who is going to finish fourth? Are, are Brentford and Brighton still in the mix? I personally think the Newcastle will 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 nick fourth place. Um, Simon touched on Liverpool; it's a big ask for them. Who's finishing fourth? So, I just want your prediction, guys, for fourth. Brief explanation, Matt. I don't think Newcastle have got the goals. If Liverpool beat City this weekend, I think it's a signal of intent, and they will steamroller into fourth. Otherwise, by default, it'll be Spurs. And with you, Tony, I'm going for Newcastle. I think that, that, that with I think I've I've seen Isaac over the last few weeks and he looks like he's really getting to grips with the Premier League, and I, I think he he could be the guy that provides Newcastle with with what they have been missing and that's a regular goal scorer. So and they've got some big games. I think they play Arsenal as well. Um, uh, they've got is it it's Man United this weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm going I'm going um, Newcastle. I'm going Newcastle. Two Newcastle Liverpool. 
And if we can predict who's going down, then then, then you really should. You, you, you know, you're the genius. I mean, I, I, I can't remember, you know, with this amount of games to go, I can't remember so many teams um, at risk. It's, it, it's actually hard to sort of compute. You know, you look at the table and you go away and you think, well, actually, who's got games in hand? Bottom line is, is there anyone from 12th to 20th? Any three can go down. Um, I'm just going to touch quickly on... To start with, on Palace because obviously they're they're, they're the team that's most recently um, made a decisive move and changed the manager. Um, are you looking forward to seeing how Roy does, uh, Matt, in the last um, in the running? I don't think looking forward to is the right word. I think we threw fingers um, because it's not going to be pretty. We know that um, Roy Hodgson's the manager you bring in to sort of steady a ship, and I don't think that's been. I mean, although the results have been appalling. They're, they're a team that just needs to be fired up um, rather than steady. Uh, and I'm not sure that's a, a great appointment. I think I don't see them getting many points. That may, I mean, they haven't got many points this year at all, but they've still, still stayed in 12th. If they keep floating above the, the, the sort of dross below them, they'll be all right. But I don't see Hodgson suddenly making them leap up the table because it's not organisation that they needed or, or putting into a team. They think just uh, you know firing up again. Because when they play, they they can be very good. I mean, Sam, it, it, it's you yeah, mentioned Palace changing the manager. Others have changed the manager, of course. Do you think though that there's still time? Do you think these managers? Do you think certainly Steve Cooper don't think's under any threat? But there has been talk this week that that still David Moyes, you know, one bad result away from from going. Do you think? Do you think that's the case? Do you think that's the case? Maybe at Leicester with Brendan Rodgers as well. And if so, would that really would that really be a good thing to do? I, I'm a kind of believer in that you don't really sack your manager unless you've got somebody who is w- willing and ready to come in straight away, um, who will who you know is guaranteed to have an instant impact. So I, I think while there's, there's been plenty of talk about Rodgers and, and, and Moyes, I think both clubs will 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 kind of stay patient. Um, I think you're absolutely right about Steve Cooper, and I think Forest have got they've got at least a decent home record. So, um, you know, the fans certainly haven't turned on Steve Cooper. The atmosphere at the city ground every time I've been has been absolutely fantastic. So I think a lot of it is to do with fans. You know, I think, I think fans at this stage of the season need to keep their nerves as much as the, the people who, who make the decisions on hiring and firing. I, I don't think uh, Leicester and West Ham will, will act at this stage of the season or open surprises if they do. Listen, the, this, the, the games... There's going to be literally every match day is going to be huge. You, you, you know, you're not going to have games that aren't six pointers. You're basically going to have six points after six points after six points. I'm looking at games coming up here. This Forest versus Wolves, Palace versus Leicester, West Ham versus Southampton. I mean, we could go in and analyze individual games, but what I'd rather do is is on a broad on, in a broad sense, who do we think? Well, who do you two guys think? Because I, I, I'm not going there. Who, who, who do we think, Matt? If you had to say the three to go down, I looked at something today. Let me just try and find it. We did one of these percentage things. Um, maybe I've I've left that where you get like a percentage chance of going down. In other words, the equivalent of bookmakers' odds. But clearly, Hampton are are the team who are most fancied to get relegated. Matt, which three do you see? Yeah, I think the Southampton are struggling and will continue to struggle. Uh, Bournemouth with them, I don't see them. Uh, they've got a 
yeah, uh, game on hand, and some again behind. And then you do a couple, and, and that was, there's someone who gets dragged into it. I fear the Forest. I hope they have enough. Um, Leicester City. I think West Ham. David Moyes will be canny enough to find the points. Although never underestimate the West Ham Bulls' um, ability to make the wrong decision and sack him. Um, but uh, Leicester, I fear for a little bit. But yeah, you're right. Uh, your best staying out of it. That's quite. I think Bournemouth, Southampton, one other. Um, yeah, you, you're right to stay out of it. It's, it's just an absolutely intriguing end to the season. I think I said, I mean, I don't know, but I think I said at the start of the season, Southampton, um, 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 Everton, and um, and Palace, I think I said, so I might stick with them. So, I mean, any, any, any three in particular catch your eye as, as, as go down? I see. I mean, it's an impossible task to predict this, but have a stab, mate. The, the ones Matt mentioned, but, I mean, going back to scoring goals, I think that's, I worry for Wolves because of that very reason, because they just don't seem to have a goal in them. And the, the Wolves play some nice football, and they've got some really talented players, um, you know, and they've got a good manager, you know, a proven manager. But if you can't score goals in the tight games, then you are uh, you you you're going to struggle. At whether that's trying to win the title or, or or trying to stay in the division, Wolves are the team I worry about, and I worry about Leicester. Um, I think I think both of those could could easily get quite dragged dragged into it. But if it's going to be pushed. Palace is the one I think will go. I think it's. Uh, I think Palace will 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 go down despite the fact that that they are they're, tw- they're sitting twelfth at the moment. It seems seems crazy. But I just want to finish. Um, it's unusual that we can go a um, whole episode with without talking hardly mentioning Manchester United hardly. But they have been in the news the last couple of days um, uh, in, in our papers, um, in our newspapers in particular this morning. Two things I just want to briefly mention. Harry Kane, um, again linked with, with with a move to Manchester United. And um, they'll have to deal with a couple of contract issues coming up, Marcus Rashford and David De Gea. Um, I know Rashford has said that you know, there's not going to be an issue, um, Simon. But it is something you're going to have to address fairly soon. His stock is, you know, is back on the rise, isn't it? You know, so, so I remember there was a story saying, was it called the Ronaldo rule or something, that no one was going to get paid more than X amount? That that cannot happen at a club like Manchester United, where you put a ceiling on, on uh, a, you know, a, 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 an earnings um, uh, policy, um, of of two hundred thousand pounds, which you know, to, to the man in the street, seems absolutely crazy. But when you know world class players, uh, uh, you know, are fetching double that amount, and if Manchester United want to be taken seriously, and let's not forget, by the time the the next transfer window opens, that there is a possibility that that the club may have new owners. So, uh, you know, I, I, listen, if they're seriously wanting to keep Marcus Rashford, then they're going to have to pay more than £200,000 a week uh, because you're absolutely right. His stock is rising. Paris Saint-Germain have been big admirers of his for a long time, but I'm sure there will be um, a host of other top clubs who would um, who would look to buy him if he, if he was on the market. So, you know, Manchester United have got to pay the, the, the market value and Marcus Rashford is much more than a £200,000 a week player. Um, David De Gea is a different, is a different matter. Uh, you know, um, Ten Hag has admitted that he's kind of unshoot. He's had another very good season in terms of keeping the ball out of the net, De Gea. Um, you know, he's had some spectacular performances, but Ten Hag is a, is a manager who wants to play out from the back. 
and he's admitted that he's you know he's not sure he's concerned about the A's uh, distribution. So that that is that is a, a, a that is one what which could go either way. Keep an eye on that, Matt. Finally, um, Harry Kane and congratulations to Harry and his and his wife. I see they're expecting baby number four. Um, and does he end up at Manchester United or not? I and mean, it's been spoken about. It's been spoken about. His contract's up at the end of next season. Uh, we all know he hasn't won a trophy. Um, very briefly, Harry Kane, is he a Manchester United player for next season or isn't he? I think he might be. Yeah, I think he will be. If he wants to be, if that's where he sees his future. As I said earlier, he's got that card in his hand. I don't think Levy can afford to let him walk away uh, the summer after next. Um, and if Manchester United put up the right amount of money and uh, the right amount of money is what Kane is anything Spurs can get pretty much, um, then I think and Kane wants to, Kane goes. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's got any real desire now necessarily to play abroad. He did earlier in his career. Um, so that was suiting down to the ground. He gets that a chance to go for that cheer record. And um and yeah, and he's got his expanding family. I thought five canes on the pitch for the presentation. That's gonna s- strike fear into any team, seeing that uh at Wembley on uh, on last Sunday. But uh, and if there's a sixth on the way then I don't yeah, I think it'd be perfect for him. And so I'm struggling to see Spurs resisting. Yeah, I I just have a hunch that he might stay. I'm I think he might sign a new contract at Spurs and end his career there. Just just a hunch. Um, we'll see how one pans out, guys. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy getting back to the Premier League. Um, Simon, where are you, Man City, Liverpool? Yeah, I'm at the big game on um, on Saturday. Enjoy that, Johnny. Arsenal Leeds. Arsenal Leeds. I'll see you there, um, and then I'm popping off to the Anthony Joshua fight, guys. It's been a knockout. Um, I'll catch you next week.